0: Hello and welcome to AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. I'm your host, John S. Today's episode was recorded on August 6, 2016, at a celebration for the anniversaries of two AA groups in Kansas City, Missouri. Free thinkers in AA, Kansas City celebrated one year, and the We Agnostics Group celebrated its second anniversary. Amy P. chaired the meeting, and Roger C. was the featured speaker. This was a wonderful way to celebrate the anniversaries of our groups and it's nice to be able to share this time with you. I hope you enjoy it.
1: Hello, my name is Amy and I'm an alcoholic. Hi everyone. Before Before we start, I would like to say thank you for being here tonight to celebrate with us. A special thank you to All Souls and St Paul's for their support of our groups. I would like to take a moment on behalf of the many members of Freethinkers and We Agnostics to say how grateful we are to three special members and trusted servants of Alcoholics Anonymous, to Jim, John, and Kevin. Thank you for your tireless efforts, your perseverance, and your dedication to getting the We Agnostics and Freethinkers groups started. Many people say Alcoholics Anonymous saved their lives. For this alcoholic, that is certainly true. However, Secular AA has given me a new purpose and outlook on life. Over the past year, I have been more excited, dedicated, and in love with the program and its members than ever before. Many of us have come to Secular AA out of frustration or perhaps seeking a place to belong once again. Some of us felt left out of our groups because of our beliefs or lack of beliefs. What I love the most about Secular AA is the personal responsibility for my recovery. If John, Jim, and Kevin would come up, I'd like to present a gift to the We Agnostic group and the Freethinkers group. Wasn't that nice? These are little placards that I made <laughs> so we can start collecting our anniversary coin. <laughs> Maybe someday we'll be able to afford a proper shadow box. <laughs> um, if things continue the way they are, we'll have many more evenings like tonight. Um, just a couple of housekeeping items, and uh, this is an open meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, if you are unfamiliar with Alcoholics Anonymous, um, we do have the anonymity thing. So please, who you see here, what you hear here, when you leave here, let it stay here. Oh, cool. And then um, if you guys could um, please either silent or put your phones on vibrate so that we don't distract the speaker. And also we're going to be recording. So if your phone goes off, it's going to be caught on the on the recording. Um, so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn the meeting over to John, but I want to do just a little introduction. And um, I've known John for the last year. And very rarely do you see somebody that is so dedicated, um, hardworking, constantly thinking of ways to um, ways to get the message out about secular AA. And um, I know for me I admire you so much and I'm so grateful um, for everything that you guys have done and this last year has been, one of the most difficult periods in my life with my dad getting sick and then dying. And I truly believe that I've been able to deal with it so much better because of the we agnostics and free thinkers groups. So John, would you like to come up? Thank you guys.
0: I don't think my wife would agree with that hardworking part. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so I'd like to um, open the meeting with the reading of the AA preamble. So um, Jim, would you uh, come up and read the AA preamble?
2: All righty. Jim Alcoholic. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here from Indianapolis. Be back, with, uh, be back home so this week. And so I'm very pleased to read this. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics achieve sobriety. Thanks, uh, Jim's a co-founder of the We Agnostics
0: group. He was the only atheist I knew in AA, and uh, so thank you, Jim. Um, and now I know a lot more of them. <laughs> um, now, uh, like uh, other agnostic groups from around the world, we also
3: have an agnostic AA preamble. And I'd like to invite Kevin to come up and read that. I'm Kevin P. I'm an alcoholic. Glad to see everyone this evening. Uh, Photos are allowed while I'm up here. so (laughs) Help yourself. Um, I do have a story about agnostic, uh, about this particular paragraph. I, I call it the most important paragraph in secular AA because the first time that I came to we agnostics from another large group in Midtown, um, when they read this paragraph, I thought, I've got something here. This, is, this sounds just exactly the way I believe. So I was, I was thrilled to find this particular paragraph. Agnostic AA meetings maintain a tradition of free expression where everyone is free to express any doubt or disbelief that they may have and to share their own personal form of spiritual experience, their search for it or their rejection of it. In keeping with AA tradition, we do not endorse nor oppose any form of religion or atheism, Our only wish is to ensure that anyone with a desire to stop drinking may find support in AA without having to accept anyone else's beliefs, or to deny their own. Thank you.
0: I'm not sure if I introduced myself, but in AA, if you're not familiar with this, we 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 love to say this. My name's John, and I'm an alcoholic. (laughs) Um, Welcome. And thank you uh, for attending this celebration of the first anniversary of the Freethinkers and AA group and the second anniversary of the We Agnostics uh, Kansas City AA group. Uh, this is an open meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'd like to welcome those of you who are visiting from other AA groups in the community, those of you who have come from out of town, and our family and friends. I would also like to thank the All Souls Unitarian Universalist Church for their kindness and their tolerance, which I know we've tested from time to time. And I'd like to welcome the members of the church who are in attendance here tonight. Welcome to everybody. Before I introduce our speaker, I'd like to provide a little history about our two groups. On July 20th of 2014, I asked Jim C. if he'd like to start an AA meeting for agnostics, atheists, and free thinkers. Without hesitation, he answered yes, and that very night, we put up a website and started searching for a meeting location. And knowing that agnostic AA groups have a long history of holding meetings um, at Unitarian Universal Churches, I contacted All Souls, and I was happy to learn that they had a space for us to rent. The week prior to our first meeting, Jim and I attended a meeting at the We Agnostics Group in Lawrence, Kansas, which unbeknownst to us, had been meeting for two years prior to our starting our group. That was the first time either of us had ever experienced an agnostic meeting. Three of the members from that group, Dave, Austin, and Justin, made it to our first meeting here at All Souls. After we had been meeting for about a year, it was sometime in July of 2015, really a landmark time for our group, Erica Kay went to a meeting at the Unity Group, and after the meeting, she walked up to Richard W. and she said, You're an atheist. You need to go to We Agnostics. (laughs) In a few days, Richard and several others from the Unity Group came to one of our meetings. And one of those people was Kevin P., a Freethinker. And uh, he liked our meeting format, and he was inspired uh, to start Freethinkers in AA Kansas City, which today meets every Monday and Wednesday night, and also hosts our monthly anniversary meeting for both of our groups on the last Friday of each month. Today there are seven secular AA meetings a week in Kansas City, and two a week in nearby Lawrence. Our groups are growing quickly, and hardly is there ever a meeting without someone there for the first time. We come together to support one another in our desire to stop drinking, and it works. One day at a time, we are staying sober and reclaiming our lives. Let me let me express our gratitude to our Kansas City, to our, to our Kansas City area AA central office, to District 6, and to Area 39, for the amazing infrastructure of service that they support and that we depend upon. The greatest part of the experience with helping to start a new AA group is getting involved in service outside of the group. I'm in awe of the people I've met at Central Office, the district, and the area. Their love and dedication to serving Alcoholics Anonymous is inspiring to me, and they have my greatest respect. For those of you who have never before attended an AA meeting, this one's a little different. Usually at an open AA speaker meeting, the speaker will share his or her personal story, their experience, strength, and hope. Tonight, instead of hearing the story of an individual, you will hear the story of many people from perhaps the greatest storyteller that I know in AA today, Roger C. Roger is a member of the We Agnostics group in Hamilton, Ontario, a group he started not that long ago. We agnostics Hamilton is doing great, by the way. Like our groups, they routinely see a lot of newcomers at their meetings. These newcomers are people who otherwise thought AA was not for them, but they are finding sobriety at the We Agnostics group in Hamilton. Roger is a writer, an editor, and a publisher. For the past five years, he operated the website AA Agnostica, a site which has helped many thousands realize they are not alone. It was the site that inspired me to help start an agnostic AA group in Kansas City. Roger is also a dedicated, is dedicated to service to Alcoholics Anonymous. Some years ago, he helped start a campaign to request that the AA Grapevine produce a book of stories from agnostics and atheists in AA. At the last general service conference, this was approved and it was agreed that the Grapevine would produce such a book. I should pause here Also to thank our Area 39 Delegate, Dave F, who served as the Grapevine Chair at the last General Service Conference and who was ever supportive and helpful to making this come to pass. Thank you, Dave, for your work for Alcoholics Anonymous. Your example of service is one that I admire. Now back to Roger. There is perhaps nobody in AA who has had a greater impact on my life and my recovery than Roger C. My experience in Alcoholics Anonymous today is beyond anything I could ever imagine. In a large measure because of Roger, my AA world knows no boundaries or borders. I'm grateful to Roger for agreeing to come all this way to speak. After his talk, Roger will welcome your questions, and afterward, we'll make our way to the Conover Room down the hall for food and fellowship. I know Roger would be glad to have an opportunity to meet with you and to speak with you. So without further ado, Roger C. from Hamilton, Ontario.
2: My name is Roger, I'm an alcoholic. (laughs) It's an honor for me to be here this evening. And I'd like to thank John and Kevin and Jim and we agnostics and freethinkers, in particular, for this wonderful, wonderful experience. What is AA? I want to start off the day with a quote by Bill Wilson from a speech he delivered in New York City in 1965. It is my understanding of AA. Here it is. In AA, we are supposed to be bound together in the kinship of a universal suffering. Therefore, the full liberty to practice any creed or principle or therapy should be a first consideration. Hence, let us not pressure anyone with individual or even collective views. Let us instead accord to each other the respect that is due to every human being as he tries to make his way. Towards the light. Let us always try to be inclusive rather than exclusive. Let us remember that each alcoholic among us is a member of AA so long as he or she so declares. So now you understand perfectly how I think about AA. And that will perhaps illuminate what follows. Rejection, creed, and dogma. Rejection. We start today with the feeling of rejection, of being rejected. Have any of you ever felt rejected? <laughs> You know, rejected by a lover, a friend, a wife, a husband. Rejected for for a job that you think was made just for you. Thrown out of a house. A relationship. Trashed, insulted, abandoned. Can we have a show of hands here of anybody who's had that experience? Uh Uh-huh. All of you. On Tuesday, May 31st, 2011, two agnostic groups were booted out of the Greater Toronto Intergroup. Thrown out. Rejected. Trashed. That's where today my story begins. The next day, on Wednesday, I emailed the Toronto Star newspaper and later that day talked to a reporter, Leslie Scrivener. Later that weekend, an article appeared on the front page of the Toronto Star. On the top of the front page, Does Religion Belong at AA? Fight Over God Splits Toronto AA Groups. On Thursday, I went to the evening meeting of my home group, Beyond Belief, the first agnostic group ever in Canada founded on September 24th, 2009 and one of the two groups booted out of the Greater Toronto (coughs) Area Intergroup, GTAI. There was, as per usual, some two dozen people present. They were, to put it mildly, my friends, broken hearted. There was a fear in the room that the group and the meeting were as good as dead. If it did not die immediately, it would wither away over time. After all, we were not now on any lists. We were rejected. Where will I go? But I love this meeting. They hate us. What am I going to do now? That was the mood as I entered the room. Some were crying. One of them was Catherine, a wonderfully talented Canadian actress. I had sat beside her and chatted with her at her first ever AA meeting at Beyond Belief, some six months earlier. After that first meeting, she would given me a big hug and said, Roger, I have a new home. Now, her head was on the table, and she sobbed. So what's it all about, dear friends? Why did they do it? Why did intergroup boot the two agnostic groups out? (coughs) The answer is really simple. Creed and dogma. Legal action has been taken in Toronto against Intergroup. The issue was taken to the Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario. Founded in 1986, here is a principle defended by the tribunal. Every person has the right to be free from discrimination or harassing behaviour that is based on religion, or which arises because the person who is the target of the behavior does not share the same faith. This principle extends to situations where the person who is the target of such behavior has no religious beliefs whatsoever, including atheists and agnostics, who may, in these circumstances, benefit from the protections set out by the code. On February 17th of this year, the Ontario Human Rights Tribunal wrote, and I'm quoting, and it was an interim decision of the Human Rights Tribunal, the GTAI, Greater Toronto Area Intergroup, submits that evidence indicates that its purpose is to practice the 12 steps and to practice a belief in God. In order to be a part of GTAI, a group must be prepared. A group must be prepared to practice its 12 steps, and thus the members of the group must have a belief in God. Of course, if you believe that is a definition of AA, and that AA was never meant for non-believers, what Intergroup did makes perfect sense. Its decision is beyond reproach. Forget about the fact that the 12-step program is only suggested. Forget about Tradition 3. Throw the responsibility out of the room with the atheists and agnostics. In 1961, In an article in The Grapevine, Bill Wilson wrote, In AA's first years, I all but ruined the whole undertaking. God, as I understood him, had to be for everybody. Sometimes my aggression was subtle, and sometimes it was crude. But either way, it was damaging, perhaps fatally so, to numbers of non-believers, perhaps fatally so. I know, as many do, that it is not a question of perhaps. Folks, I will be coming back to the issue of dogma later, But right now I would ask you to join me in a moment of silence for those, all those non-believers who have left the rooms of A.A. and been fatally damaged by a sometimes subtle and often crude dogmatism which I'm afraid is far too often a part of our fellowship of A.A. History. Now I'm going to talk about history. (laughs) When the groups were booted out, two things happened. One, I began to write, I thought, I'm going to write a history of agnostic groups in AA. I thought, you know, there was a long weekend. I'd be done by the end of the long weekend. (laughs) You know, but I thought, this should be written down. Well, there was nothing. I couldn't find a thing. Anywhere on the internet, on the internet, I couldn't find a thing. So I phoned Michelle Mirza at the at General Service Office. She's the chief archivist. And I said, Michelle, help me. <laughs> they had nothing. They had nothing. So it was like a really incredible undertaking, and it took me months to write the thing. But what a pleasure it was. Did I ever learn a great deal? It was astonishing. One of the people I met while I was doing this was Ernie Kurtz. Ernie wrote the book *Not God: A History of, a History of Alcoholics Anonymous*. It's a must-read. It's a wonderful book. *Not God* in the title means that a knew not to play God. *Not God: A History of Alcoholics Anonymous*. Ernie was a priest had been a priest. He was an alcoholic. He was so supportive of me, this author of this wonderful book that I had never read before, <laughs> that I was able to continue on and do the job. I couldn't have done it without Ernie, without his support. That I felt I was running off, nobody would talk to me. I would contact all kinds of people and they just, you know, you don't know, you don't, No, but Ernie was highly supportive, and so um, that book, or that article, essay, uh, was written. Now the other thing that happened is I started a website. I was part of starting a website called AA Toronto Agnostics, and all we wanted to do was to list the time and place of the meetings, because now they were no longer, that was no longer done by the, the intergroup it evolved after 6 months it became AA agnostica and people from around the world were contributing articles and it was just inspiring and it continued on AA agnostica began in june mid june 2011 and actually continued for 5 full years until mid-June of this year when I thought that's it, you know the, the, it, it's time to, to move on. 360 articles written by a hundred and sixty-nine people I believe from around the world and a great website which will stay up forever um, but it also <laughs> was very inspiring to me as well, just to get the, you know, as John and I have talked about, just to get the input from other people is so precious. It's so valuable. Okay. So now let's go back, way back, and look at some of the secular parts of the history of Alcoholics Anonymous, all of which were generated by working on this um, a history of agnostic groups in AA. Let's start with Jim Burwell. Jim was a member of one of the first two groups of AA. He was a member of the group in New York that met at Bill Wilson's house. And he was anti-religious in a ferocious kind of way. So much so that members of his group were hoping he'd either get drunk or go away. Jim was part of a big battle which took place in 1939 over Alcoholics Anonymous, the big book. Thanks to Jim, two key changes were made. First, the word God was changed to God as we understood him in two of the 12 steps. Second, and most importantly, the word suggested was added to the phrase Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. I can't even begin to explain how important that word has been over the years. And of course Jim is credited with Tradition 3. The only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Over the years he was a very important part of AA and started a number of groups and meetings across the United States, always remaining, if you will, faithful to his lack of faith. It speaks to the nature of the fellowship in its early days that his membership was never, ever questioned. That was our friend Jim Burwell. So now let me talk about the first secular AA meeting Ever. It took place forty years after the origins of AA in 1935. It took place in 1975 in Chicago. That's the first meeting. And it was founded by the name by a guy by the name of Wilson, but not Bill. Don Wilson. In the early 60s, he had tried AA and had attended meetings for six months, but left, put off by the religiosity. I was unable to work it, he said, because of the religious language in which the 12 steps are couched. He came back a decade later. His drinking had almost killed him. And I talked to friends of his in Chicago and it had almost killed him. This time he decided to tough it out no matter how hard. Some of us may be familiar with that. After about four years of sobriety in the autumn of 1974, he gave a speech at the Unitarian Church, an agnostic in AA. How it works for me. This talk was well-received and ended up, he ended up delivering it in several Unitarian Universalist churches. And in fact, one of the ministers encouraged him to start an AA meeting for atheists and agnostics. The first ever meeting in AA, explicitly for non-believers, was held on January 7th, 1975 in Chicago, in a church. (laughs) The name of the meeting was Alcoholics Anonymous for Atheists and Agnostics, which was very quickly shortened to Quad A. (laughs) And Quad A has had a hugely interesting history in Chicago. In 1995, an article was written about it in the Chicago Tribune, while Quad A was was celebrating its 20th anniversary. It's a wonderful article. It's kind of the equivalent of the Jack Alexander article published in the Saturday Evening Post in 1941, only this one is for we agnostics in AA, and it's called A Different Road. That's the name of the article, and it it begins like this. Six o'clock, Saturday night and the drunks are having a party.
4: <laughs>
2: this is news. It is when the party is in Chicago's Second Unitarian Church on Berry Street. The drunks are sober, and the party is to commemorate the 20th anniversary of a controversial 12-step recovery group, Alcoholics Anonymous, AA for Atheists and Agnostics, Known in AA circles as Quad A. AAAA.
4: <laughs>
2: Today, Quad A is grown strong. There are 12 meetings in Chicagoland. They're listed by the Chicago Intergroup. In fact, one of the search options when you're looking for a meeting uh, on the Chicago Intergroup website is called Atheist Agnostic. So you can actually look for those secular meetings in Chicago. And there's something else I wanted to mention. We generally get the impression that Santa Monica in 2014 was the first convention, or the first collective gathering of agnostics in AA. Not so. It's wrong. On September 13, 2009, a Quad A Unity conference was held, and it was called... Beyond Alcohol and Addiction, Sobriety, Sanity, and Serenity. Over 100 people attended it. And I've got a 16-page leaflet, which was sent to me by Chuck Kay in Chicago while I was working on the history of agnostic groups in AA. And it's wonderful. It contains, for example, the conference schedule, which included a number of speakers, terrific speakers. It includes an article about a man of distinction, our friend Don Wilson. It contains a copy of the 1995 article written in the Chicago Tribune called A Different Road. It contains several versions of secular steps. And in the end, it decides to describe AA in eight words, which is like, you know, four times two words. (laughs) The first words are Quit drinking. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Two words. The second two words are trust AA. The third two words is clean house. And the last two words, help others. A pretty simple understanding of AA. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: So that was the first agnostic meeting in Chicago. January 7th 1975 it would take five years for the next group of meetings to start and that happened in California that happened in Los Angeles and that happened because of a wonderful guy by the name of Charlie Polichek if you want to read about Charlie there's an article on a agnostica called father of we agnostics dies I talked to Charlie on the phone he died at the age of 98. He told me, he was about 96 or 97 at the time, very proud, he says, I am the daddy of We Agnostics groups. <laughs> because he started the first group ever called We Agnostics. So you guys have a daddy.
4: <laughs>
2: he started in 1980 in Hollywood in Los Angeles. It was very hard for me to find Charlie. I want to tell you. Very hard. I talked to people who would have known but didn't want to tell me, quite frankly. And I'm. There was always a number, a lot of people I talked to, even agnostics in AA, who pushed me away. They thought this was going to be too controversial, this history of we agnostics in AA. And so, strangely enough, the fellow who told me about Charlie Politek was James Christopher, who started SOS. When I talked to Charlie on the phone, again, he was was quite surprised that I was writing an article, A History of Agnostic Groups in AA, and his response was, really? (laughs) It was so exciting to him that we go public about this. It was so exhilarating to him that this would cease to be a secret within AA. Uh, Charlie described himself as both an atheist and a number of people, a number of people I talked to, described him as one of the most spiritual human beings they had ever met. I contacted his daughter, Angeliska, shortly after his death. And I'm throwing this in because I just like it. She did a post online and talked about Charlie's favorite haiku. And it goes like this. In the midst of a meadow, a skylark singing, free from everything. I like
4: haikus.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Around the year 2000, Charlie moved to Austin, Texas, where he again started a meeting called We Agnostics. He became friends with Nick H., who then started the second meeting for agnostics and atheists in Austin called Children of Chaos, Nick is the chair of the host committee that is organizing a convention for we agnostics, atheists, and freethinkers in AA, which is going to be held this November, November 11th to 13th, in Austin. Um, I will also note that intergroup for Austin, Hill County it's called, also lists atheists, agnostics, as a meeting type. So if you're looking for a meeting for atheists and agnostics in Austin, there's a category called atheists agnostics that you can click on. By the way, the meeting that Charlie started in Hollywood in 1980 still meets every Tuesday and it's going strong. In fact, I'll mention that the person who started the, was responsible for the first convention for agnostics and atheists in AA, Dorothy, that that's her home group. AA and agnostic AA flourished in California in ways that it didn't flourish in other areas. So now, I'd like to talk about New York. Because we had these meetings in Chicago and we had these meetings in California, but there was nothing in New York, strangely enough. So, a guy by the name of Harry, a Californian, placed an ad in, are you familiar with this? Free Inquiry? It's a magazine. It's still running strong. It's a magazine that continues to exist today. It's published today for atheists and agnostics. So Harry wrote this little article, little ad actually, in Free Inquiry. (coughs) He knew that the thing was circulated throughout America, and his ad was addressed to atheists and agnostics in AA, who were having trouble with the religious nature of many AA meetings. So Harry does this act. And strangely enough, three people in New York answer it. They send a little letter to Harry. They didn't know each other. But they wrote the letter to Harry. Harry writes back and explains how the agnostic meeting worked, the formats and all that stuff. And then he connects them together. They are Ada H., John Y., and David L. The first meeting was held at Ada's home on September 10, 1986. It was called We Atheists. It eventually moved to the Jan Hus Church, where it still meets today. And the name was changed to We Humanists. The three, Ada, John, and David, met together for over a decade at that meeting. For over a decade, they went to these meetings together. Thank you, Harry in California. David eventually moved to Pittsburgh. John Y. died on March 10, 2003. He was co founder of the Secular Humanist Society of New York City, a lifelong residence of, resident of the Bronx and a veteran of World War II. Born in 1921, he got sober in 1962. Ada died in August 2005 at the age of 83. She had more than 30 years of sobriety. She's a very passionate woman, a socialist, and a very wealthy New Yorker.
4: <laughs>
2: On her tombstone, it says, Ada started an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting for atheists and agnostics. <laughs> Today, there are 16 meetings in New York City for agnostics, atheists, and freethinkers in AA. Under the search again for meetings, there is something called a special interest category where you can click on agnostic and again find these meetings. My next section is called the failure of AA. Please don't be disturbed by the word failure. Every organization, every person, experiences failure. Indeed, failure has been a big part of my own life, (laughs) especially when I was a drinking alcoholic. I could make you quite a list of failures. But failure should not ever kill our hope for, well, success and growth in the future. As far as I can understand it, AA stopped growing as a fellowship sometime in the mid 70s. After that, it started to become more religious, more dogmatic. But in the mid-70s, it published two significant documents. One was the book Living Sober, which was first printed in 1975. It's a great, mostly secular book. The other was the pamphlet, Do You Think You Are Different? published in 1976. It contains one article by an atheist and another by a self-described agnostic. And that's it, that's all. Nothing supportive or even sympathetic has been written or published by or for a non-believer in AA ever since. We're talking 40 years now. And it's not just the support of non-Christian alcoholics that in my view AA has failed. As a fellowship devoted to helping alcoholics, it has failed to keep up with science and its understanding of the causes and treatments for alcohol abuse. Again, in 1965, Bill Wilson said, Research has already come up with significant and <coughs> helpful findings, and research will do far more. And it has. But you wouldn't know it if your sole source was AA. But back to our agnostic AA members. Back in 1976, a subcommittee of the AA Literature Committee recommended that AA compile and write, quote, a pamphlet for agnostics and or atheists, unquote. In a report presented to the full literature committee in July, they wrote that such a pamphlet, and I love these words, quote, is needed to assure non-believers that they are not merely deviants, but full participating members in the AA Fellowship without qualification. The Literature Committee decided not to recommend such a pamphlet to the 1977 General Service Conference. And on and on it goes. In 1982, the Literature Committee again declined to pursue a pamphlet for non-believers in AA. In 1996, the idea of such a pamphlet made it to the conference, but was rejected. The Trustees Literature Committee received a request from We Agnostics Group in New York in July 1997, and I spoke to the woman who was responsible for that request, asking that the committee consider publishing a pamphlet titled, AA is Not a Religion. The committee declined to pursue this pamphlet. A similar proposal was rejected at the 2001 conference. And on, and on, and on it goes. So what is it that's going on? It's called dogma, my friends. Creed and dogma. Let's go back to the Greater Toronto Intergroup. In a document released on May 16th of this year, in response to the interim decision of the Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario, the GTA argues that even though the steps are a suggested program, they are the only program in AA and must be followed by every group within the GTA. Not afraid to describe this belief as its creed, the GTAI goes on to insist that the 12 steps must be followed. Exactly as written. Otherwise, the group will be excommunicated. Uh, I mean, expulsed. (laughs) Now, not even the author of the steps Mm. believed that. In A.A. Comes of Age, the co-founder of our precious fellowship wrote, we must remember that A.A.'s steps are suggestions only. We must remember. A belief in them as they stand is not at all a requirement for membership among us. This liberty has made AA available to thousands who never would have tried at all had we insisted on the 12 steps just as written. You would think that this would mean something to the GTAI, but apparently not. Bill saw it coming. He saw an AA that was becoming increasingly dogmatic. Again, from the speech he gave to the General Service Conference in New York in 1965, here is Bill Wilson. Quote, It's a historical fact that practically all groupings of men and women tend to become dogmatic. Their beliefs and practices harden and sometimes freeze. Unquote. He continued, quote, Simply because we have convictions that work very well for us, it becomes quite easy to assume that we have all of the truth. Whenever this brand of arrogance develops, We are sure to become aggressive. We demand agreement with us. We play God. The greater Toronto area intergroup loves playing God. This isn't good dogma, Bill continued. This is very bad dogma. It could be S destructive for us of AA to indulge in this sort of thing unquote you think? <laughs> now I want to make something clear we all have beliefs there are no exceptions I have my own beliefs what is wrong is forcing our views on other people What is wrong is not permitting others to own and voice their own convictions. You know, Bill Wilson understood that too. Quote, All people must necessarily rally to the call of their own particular convictions. And we of AA are no exception." Moreover, he continued, all people should have the right to voice their convictions. Pretty simple stuff, you would think. Moving forward. Now I'm going to flip to the optimistic side, okay? <laughs> and the first thing I want to talk about is literature. Literature. We Agnostics and Atheists have made such enormous progress in so many ways, and certainly this is one of them. But I'm going to limit myself to talking about just two books. I have a friend you may have heard of, Joe C. He was one of the people who started Beyond Belief in Toronto, the first agnostic meeting in Canada. That was my home group until I started We Agnostics Group in Hamilton, Ontario. And, you know, I didn't want to start a group in Hamilton, Ontario, because I would I would travel from Hamilton to the Beyond Belief meeting. It'd take me two hours to get there, two hours to get back. You know, and sometimes I wonder, oh, do you really need to go? But, you know, after I'd sit through the meeting and listen to people share, I would feel an inner peace and strength and hope and optimism and joy in looking forward to the next days of my life as a result of that meeting. So I didn't want to start one in Hamilton because this was a lifesaver to me. I talked with someone today and we, we shared that word. But actually the we agnostics in Hamilton has worked out the same way. So I'm Delighted with it. Anyway, in 2013, Joe and I were in an incredible competition. We're, we're, we're dear friends, but we're, we compete. He was working to publish Beyond Belief, agnostic musings for 12-step life, which he had spent five years writing. And I was trying to publish the little book, a collection of alternative 12 steps. He beat me. <laughs> by about two weeks Beyond Belief has turned out to be hugely helpful it's a book of daily reflections I know a number of groups across the world that use it will read the daily reflection and then have a discussion at their meeting following that reading so it's a very, very popular book the little book just came to be Gabe S. in England who had written articles on A. Agnostica Had a collection of alternative 12 steps, and he sent them to me, and I thought, what an interesting idea. A collection of alternative 12 steps. At A. Agnostica, we started looking online for secular interpretations of the 12 steps and found some terrific versions. And then we added a part two for very concise secular interpretations of each of the 12 steps by famous authors. And I contacted each and every one of them and was just delighted and honored to talk to them. One of them was uh, um, Stephanie Covington, Covington, who wrote A Woman's Way Through the Twelve Steps. And another was Gabor Mate, a Canadian, uh, who had written In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, which is one one of my favorite books. And then, and then I wrote a part three, A History of the Origins of the Steps, and, and we, we published it. I love the book. Uh, I had to mention it today because for groups like the GTA Intergroup, it's heresy. Pure heresy. And for everybody else, it is diverse, gender respectful, equitable, and most importantly, on the contemporary side of life. It ain't 75 years old. <laughs> AA Agnostic has published five other books for atheists and agnostics in AA. And of course there have been other books, such as John Lauritsen's A Freethinker and Alcoholics Anonymous and Maria, Maria Hornbacher's Waiting and Nonbelievers' Higher Power. And she published that in 2011. And that was really the beginning. There was nothing before that. Nothing in print before that. Uh, another book that I published a second edition of, The Alternative Twelve Steps, A Secular Guide to Recovery, was actually published by two women in 1991, but it was out of print. And I managed uh, to contact them and, and publish it again in a second edition in 2014. And I am very proud to announce today that A Agnostica will be publishing another book in the next few months, this one will be by a dear friend sitting in this very room, Thomas Brinson, and it may very well be called Each Breath a Gift A Memoir with Reflections on a Life of Recovery. Stand up, Thomas. <clears throat> Thomas has written a number of articles for A. Agnostica and for A. Beyond Belief. He knows of what he speaks and it promises to be a super book. Let me talk about websites. Spaces for agnostics, atheists and freethinkers in AA. There are all kinds of them. Rebellion Dogs Publishing, Joe C manages that website. Uh, there is AA Agnostica which began in 2011 in Toronto as I mentioned. And stopped posting articles regularly on Sundays after five full years in June of this year. It remains online with a total of 360 excellent articles that are still there for everybody to read. AA Gnostica was succeeded by AA Beyond Belief by my good friend John S., who is now doing that website and podcast. The super editor for articles on AA Beyond Belief is also here today, Doris A. You might even hear this talk on AA Beyond Belief. It's a terrific website. And certainly, John and Doris have earned a hearty round of applause for it. Then there are 25 websites for individuals or groups of agnostic meetings, including two for this area as well. So there are all kinds of websites, all kinds of information. Meetings. Let's talk about meetings. We focus a lot on meetings at the beginning of this talk, when they started, where they started, how they started. When my essay, A History of Agnostic Groups in AA, was completed in 2012, four years ago, there was a total of 87 agnostic meetings worldwide listed on the New York website. Today, and I just talked to Deirdre a few days ago, she manages the New York website, and asked, how many meetings are there? Today, there are over 300 meetings. For agnostics and atheists in AA, we've more, we've added more than 200 in a few years. We have gone from agnostic meetings in three states to agnostic meetings in 40 states in the United States and five provinces in Canada. And let's congratulate two in particular who are celebrating birthdays today, right here and right now in Kansas City, Freethinkers in A.A. celebrating one year. We Agnostics celebrating two years. Our hearty congratulations. In 2011, when they, had put, when they had the boots put to them, there were two meetings for Agnostics and Atheists in the Toronto area. Today there are 13. It's also very fantastic. Conventions and conferences. Well, the first one was in Chicago in 2009 and the second in Santa Monica in November 2014. A superb convention, let me say that once again. Then there was a conference in Phoenix, Arizona in November 2015 and one in Olympia, Washington that I attended in January of this year. And now we're all getting ready for a convention in Austin, Texas coming up this November. So there are plenty of reasons to be hopeful. We are going strong, my friends. We are with the tide, as it were. I'm very near the end of this talk now. (laughs) And I want to end it yet again with references to Bill Wilson's talk in 1965. He knew, even then, that AA was failing people. He knew that some were walking out of AA meetings and never coming back. Without much doubt, he said, a million alcoholics have approached AA during the last 30 years. He estimated that About 350 or 400,000, quote, of us are now recovered from our malady through the fellowship of AA. But he continued. So we can very soberly ask ourselves, what became... Of the six hundred thousand who left. Another quote from Bill How much and how often did we fail them? And then he continued, our very first concern our very first concern should be with those sufferers that we are still unable to reach. And he identified those who were being failed. Quote, newcomers are approaching us at the rate of tens of thousands yearly. They represent almost every belief and attitude imaginable. We have atheists and agnostics. But you know what? He thought he might have a solution. 1965, he'd live another six years. He had turned AA over to trustees 10 years earlier in 1955. But he thought he had a solution. A declaration. Something that everyone would understand, whether you're atheists or agnostics, whether you're dogmatic, whether you're religious. Everybody would understand. He brought that declaration later in the summer to Toronto, to Maple Leaf Gardens. It was AA's 30th anniversary international convention. Its theme was responsibility, and thus the Responsibility Declaration that everyone should understand as the very mission of Alcoholics Anonymous. In an extraordinarily moving event, after Bill's speech on July 3, 1965, at Maple Leaf Gardens in downtown Toronto, more than 10,000 delegates, trustees and hay representatives, from 21 countries rose to their feet joined hands and led by Bill recited for the very first time the brand new AA Responsibility Declaration It's a declaration that all the agnostic meetings that I know of, except one use at the end of their meetings rather than say you know, the Lord's Prayer (laughs) You can remain seated but please, I would ask you, if you wish, to join me in saying it. I am responsible when anyone anywhere reaches out for help. I want the hand of AA always to be there. And for that, I am responsible. Thank you, John. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Freethinkers and AA. Thank you, we agnostics. And thank you all for listening to me today.
1: Thanks again. Um, Does anybody have any questions for our speaker? Um, We do have a microphone set up, and he's going to take some question answers. If anybody has any questions for him. And then after that, um, we'll conclude and go down for refreshments. Um, and there's a microphone up here if you want st- to. If anybody's brave enough to ask any questions.
4: Hi, I'm Brian, uh, alcoholic, uh, from Lawrence. Uh, first, just want to thank all the people here in Kansas City for organizing this event. I found it really inspiring. And uh, every time I come out to Kansas City to come to one of those meetings, I always feel invigorated. Um, Roger, thanks for the work that you've done. Um, and, uh, you know, I find myself grateful for Toronto and Chicago and South- California and New York and, and even, even Texas. Uh, <laughs> I <can't say> <laughs> but, um, um, you know, and, and, and some might say thank you for your service. But, but the word that that, that, it, that comes to my mind here when I listen to this, history is not service. Uh, it's uh, struggle. Um, you know, both uh, collective uh, and, and then, individual this sort of soul-searching intellectual work that uh, uh, history work that you've done. So, uh, to what degree do you see this kind of this maybe, maybe this service work kind of moving to, to kind of being a sort of contesting uh, the dogma? You know, it's as, as kind of you know it's kind of political in, in a sense, uh, or at least maybe ideological. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks. Yeah. Thank, right. so,
2: thank you. Um, um, when I first went to an AA meeting, I really didn't know what to expect. I I cried outside the doors of the meeting. And then I went in and, and um, listened to people talk and share, and um, I was stunned. There were people who had the same problem as I did, you know, and I had thought I was unique, that I was absolutely alone. I think AA, and and I, and I love AA, I think AA as a fellowship is so important to we alcoholics, to we addicts. Um, it's the sharing it's the stories that you hear, it's the struggles and it's the successes like at that meeting, that first meeting I went to, there were people who had several years of sobriety and I thought, well how the hell do you do that? I had no idea um, but you know, um don't drink and go to meetings and I, the fellowship was so strong for me so when you ask um, about a struggle in terms of AA, I believe that, um, there, there, there is a, a current struggle going on to, if you wish, if you will, um, contemporize the fellowship. Um, there's a growing number of atheists and agnostics, um, Pew Research Foundation calls them nuns, people without religious conviction, and and um, we have a place, and it is AA. Only there are people within AA that we must struggle to convince that we are not quote mere deviants. But full participating members of the fellowship. I, I trust that's something of an answer. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So,
0: who did that Well, that's it for another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed spending this time with us. Next weekend, we'll be back with another episode. This time, we'll be talking to Erica Kay, who comes from my home group. She'll be telling her story about how she learned to fit in with traditional AA. I think you'll like this one. Until then, take care and be well.